Uh, good morning. My name is Ethan, as you can tell from the screen. Um, I'm going to pray quickly and then get into our um, conversation for today. God, this is um, this is a, a great topic to talk about today. It's also a difficult topic um, in that there is so much darkness around us, um, but there is so much light in and through you. And I thank you for the, the Scob dolls that they're pursuing your light into a part of the world where diseases um, kind of run run more rampant than they do here, and they're going to bring their skills and their gifts uh, to help people both on the spiritual side and the physical side. Um, I thank you for our, our community here that pursues light. Um, I pray that you'd help me to speak clearly, and if there are things that uh, shouldn't be absorbed, that they wouldn't be, and if there are things here that are uh, from you that they would they would hit home, not as some great turn of phrase, but as something that that you want us to know. So, thanks for your grace and help me to speak clearly today in this kind of odd venue. Amen. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm going to put my screen on so I can see other people, not just myself, speaking back at myself. Um, we're going to read from John chapter one. So if you have a phone, if you have uh, an actual old-fashioned paper Bible, um, you go to John one, and we're going to read it in a minute. But while you're looking that up, uh, this is the first sermon I've done in a long time that isn't based on a day-to-day -day narrative, a biblical narrative. Um, John's gospel, unlike Matthew and Luke, doesn't start with the shepherds and the wise men and the little baby Jesus and the, the manger. Um, it starts with some very bold statements about the universe and about God and about humans. Um, as an outline, just up front, if you're a note taker, um, we're going to go through the passage, uh, the first few uh, verses in John. We're going to talk about darkness, everyone's favorite uh, post-holiday topic. Uh, we're going to talk about light, and then we're going to look at um, how to access or how to absorb this light into ourselves and reflect it to the world around us. Um, the opening verses in this text provide the basis for all narrative in the Bible, and I would argue everything which is a very bold statement, um, not, not to be general, but it really is the basis for everything, not just here in Maine or, or everything in the U.S. or the Western Hemisphere, um, but everything. So I'm reading it from the NIV version, um, and here we go. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, through him, all things were made, and without him, nothing was made that has been made. This next section is what we're going to key on today. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. Uh, He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent, no DNA connection, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So uh, there, there are a lot of sermons and books written in almost every phrase in that short passage. And I'm going to pick out one phrase and maybe weave some other pieces back in. Um, but as you know, time is not our friend and we're going to just stick with that, that portion. Um, one big concept though, that I did want to hit is it says through him, all things were made without him. Nothing was made that has been made. I would say if that jumps out as alarming or tough to swallow, research it, dig it in, dig into it another day. Um, but here, here we go. Light and darkness in this, in this verse, um, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Light and darkness are common themes in movies, in literature, in music. Um, For you musicians, you know the difference of a minor chord has very kind of, it brings out dark undertones and you switch to a major chord and it's like, ah, it's bright and cheery and wonderful. Uh, Art, um, a lot of the the art that, that is out there is some combination or some juxtaposition of light and darkness. Um, The reason why these things appeal to us, the reasons why they are ubiquitous in art and culture is these are little dramas that we live through every single day. Uh, For you Star Wars fans, I know everyone's thinking, oh, come to the dark side, Luke. So there I said it out loud. We can move on. But even even in that movie, um, you have this this push and pull, this tension from do what makes me feel good, join the dark side, kind of give yourself over to your impulses and do this higher, nobler thing. Um, So I'm going to give you a glimpse into my light and dark drama from this past week. And some of you may have already heard this. but as I was thinking about the sermon, and you'll hear, see why, um, this story popped to mind. So Christmas Eve was quieter than normal. Uh, we didn't have our normal uh, gathering, and the ice rink isn't ready, so we couldn't uh, get out and skate. But everything was in place. All the gifts were under the tree by around 10, 30, 11, and I went to bed. But I didn't sleep well. And I didn't really get to sleep until around 3.30 or 4 o'clock. And no, I wasn't waiting for Santa. I, I had a lot on my mind. Um, around probably 12.31, I got up and started writing uh, parts of the sermon. And, and one of the things I do in preparation is I'll type out the passage. So I had done that a few times. But anyway, 3.30, 4-ish. I'm asleep. About 6.15, give or take, 
I'm woken up abruptly by uh, Jamaican Christmas hits at volume 1,000 from the JBL party box that is directly below our room that's about the size of a small refrigerator. It shakes the entire house. And in that moment, I saw darkness, um, lots of darkness, uh, thoughts of throwing it out the window, uh, going downstairs and ranting and raving about needing sleep and no one appreciating other people and all of this other stuff. Some of those things may have been true, but um, I, I paused because in my insomnia and in my writing the sermon, I kept writing over that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The, the visceral side of me wanted the darkness and all the good feelings that would come from acting on that. But no. Um, and I, I prayed probably with some words that aren't repeatable through clenched teeth that in spite of how I feel, in, in spite of um, my being inconvenienced, um, that I would I would focus on the light and not give myself over to the darkness. I know it's a it's a kind of a minor story. It's somewhat humorous. Uh, there are much darker things and much uh, greater dramas out there. But I wanted to give you an idea, just on a, a really basic day to day scenario, how we go from darkness to light. So the next I do want to talk about darkness. Again, everyone's favorite post-Christmas conversation. Uh, and I've got six six points or six characteristics of darkness. Um, and then we're going to look at some examples. Um, but the first one is that it's real. Darkness is real. Evil is real. No amount of positive thinking is going to change that. Our culture, and, and I would say I and, and most people in New England struggle with accepting this. It's something that's happened maybe in the last 20 years where we don't really like to use the words like bad or dark or sin, sinful or, or evil. Those words are so judgmental. We, we prefer to wor use words like misunderstood or maybe in process or, um, you know, just, you just made, uh, could have made a better decision. And we can, we can argue about this, but I, I would say if you really look at some of our history, you have to see that there is evil, there is darkness. The second is that if darkness begets or uh, propagates more darkness, had I thrown the party box out the window or gone downstairs and ranted and raved, the day would have been ruined. And maybe the next day would have been ruined. And, and I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that the course of our family could have been altered. And then maybe that would affect the next generation and the next generation. I know it's a, a silly example, but oftentimes evil and how that's acted out in darkness in one area has implications for generations and generations and generations. It's scary. Um, left unchecked, uh, evil and darkness left unchecked, it leads to death. It's pretty straightforward. If you look at, uh, you look at the, the movements that are propagated by evil, they ultimately do not bring life. They bring death. Um, it's both global. There's global darkness and evil, and there's personal darkness. 
Um, fifth, and this is another one that's not incredibly popular, is there is one or one to intentionally spread darkness. There are forces out there that are, are hoping that we, um, we give ourselves over to darkness. Again, think of that Star Wars um, scene. And sixth, it is, it is like the virus. It's highly contagious. Um, people around negative or stressful situations for long periods of time tend to absorb that darkness, and then they give that off. Um, again, we're going to keep going down this, this path a little bit, and I know it's not the most comfortable path to go down. Um, globally, because I think it's actually a safer place to start if we can agree that there are some global ills um, and gl global things that are evil. We look at the Holocaust, genocide, school shootings, human trafficking, slavery, apartheid, disease, and oppression. And if you feel heavy, that's what darkness does. It, it, it weighs on us. Um, and these are things that I think we can easily separate ourselves from because as far as I know, none of us participated in any of those things, um, maybe willingly anyway. Um, but it, as, as we go from a global idea of the darkness out there, I want to, I want to switch inward and look at maybe some of the darkness that is in each of us. Um, and then, yes, we will get to the light. One of the things I was going to do is, is have you picture, um, or maybe turn your, your, uh, flashlight on, on your phone. Just this idea that as, as we go through dark places, it's nice to know that there's a light there to, to shine into that. But we're going to, I was going to have you do that as kind of a metaphor, but not necessary. Um, I, I want us to look at this list and this is a, it's a personal list. It's not just my personal list, but it's a list that I've observed um, of areas where we all struggle with darkness um, and ways that the darkness kind of weighs, weighs W-A-Y-S, uh, pushes on us or weighs on us um, and keeps us from the light. Um, and I just, I listed these out. One is wishing you were born differently. You know, I wish I didn't have this physical characteristic or psychological characteristic. Loneliness and the added guilt sometimes of not being able to feel not lonely, which is kind of this, you know, I, I should be able to be okay on my own. I'm, I'm good enough. Um, regrets over things that you said or that you did. Regrets over things that you should have said but didn't or should have done but didn't. Um, shame over some aspect of your past uh, abuse, and it could be abuse whether you received it or you participated in it. Um, your relationships with money or our relationships with money, how it controls us, we want, we have, we're in debt, we, we spend compulsively all these different areas that, that weigh us down and darken us. Um, all sorts of addictions unfaithfulness, um, thoughts in, in thoughts and actions uh, with with our partners or spouses, um, being overly concerned. This is one that's, that, that I think about and, and can, can darken me as being overly concerned if we're handling this stupid pandemic the right way. Is it 
are we, is it too much? Is it too little? And instead of feeling free, it's just this, this dark blanket, um, general meanness. I mean, there, there are days that it's just, I'm, I'm a jerk to people, specifically those who depend on me or that, that I depend on, um, guilt over not being who you feel you should be. Being the victim or perpetrator of financial or racial or class injustice, um, oppressing people or being oppressed. Uh, and then lastly, just a general fear of your own future. What is going to happen tomorrow? Maybe not just for yourself, but for your parents or your spouses or your kids. Now, it's really hard to read these. And it's hard to think through each of them or spend any length of time there without having a visceral reaction to want to kind of change the channel. Maybe that's what our generation would have done in today's world. You want to scroll through Snapchat or in Instagram or distract ourselves quickly in some other way. And maybe I'm the only one who works this way. Um, if so, pray for me. But my guess is I'm not. We're not interested in really looking at the darkness in ourselves, we'd rather kind of skip through it. Um, our Western modern culture is designed to move so quickly from darkness to distraction that we miss the opportunity to apply and receive the light into those dark, place, uh, dark places. Now we're on the tail end of a terrifically difficult year I've spoken with more people this year who are open to talking about that they're experiencing darkness than in past years. It has been really tough and it has, it has been dark. But this verse is why I wanted to, to camp here in John 1. It, it says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not, no matter what is on, on that list, and the dark, darkness will not overcome it. So I'm going to read that again. The light shines in the darkness in those darkest places, and the darkness has not and will not overcome it. So let's park darkness for a moment, and I want to look at light and the nature of this. Um, I took those same six characteristics um, and went through the the different characteristics of light. And I'm sure there's more, you could probably list a thousand. Um, but the first one, just like darkness, it's also real. And no amount of negative thinking or no amount of bad experience is going to change that the light and the life that comes with it is real. Our culture also struggles with accepting this. Um, I, I find that myself and most people are comfortable between like in the middle. They're not really interested in the bottom part of life. They're not really interested in the top euphoric part of life. As long as we're between like 30 and 50, uh, 30 and 70 on a scale of 100, we're good. But this light and this goodness and this life that we're promised is real. Two, it also begets or propagates more life. I'm sorry, more light and life. Because I didn't throw the party box out the window uh, or rant and rave like a lunatic, we had a really fun day. Um, it was very different uh, because we didn't have family around and we didn't do our normal 
a lot of the normal things we would do on Christmas, but we enjoyed each other's company and companionship and had a, had a really good day. And that led into the next day and leads into the next day and into, um, into the future in the same way that the darkness would have. Third, left unchecked instead of death, it leads to more and more light and happiness and peace and contentment and purpose and ultimately a more intimate relationship with the God who made us to experience him and his goodness. I, I can't overstate that. Um, that. That is so incredibly compelling. Uh, fourth, just like darkness, it's global and it's personal. Uh, there are things that we around the world that are a direct result of God's light and life moving on earth and then through people. And it's very personal. We all have experienced and we all can experience the goodness and the grace that comes with that life and that light. Uh, fifth, there is one who intentionally um, seeks, <laughs> seeks to bring light and the freedom it brings. And that is, that is through the Holy Spirit. And it came in through Jesus, that little baby Jesus. And that set uh, set this kind of the future of pursuing people and bringing light into the dark places. Uh, it's contagious, just like the virus. Uh, people who've been freed from the powers of darkness and from the, the 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 chains of oppression are infectious. They can't not share that. Um, and so, so to keep with that contrast, I, I wanted to look at some of the, the global beacons of, of light that we may overlook at times because, well, we just see that as that's the way it should be. Um, a couple of the, of the main ones, I, I had a list here, but I'm not going to go through all of them for the sake of time. But one of them is a lot of, a lot of you in this room, and let's um, take uh, Josie and David for a second, has a spark in you at some point in your young life to make you decide not to maybe go into plastic surgery, not that there's anything wrong with plastic surgery, or to go into medicine to make a bazillion dollars, not that there's anything wrong with making a bazillion dollars, but you chose a path to bring healing and to bring life to people that without your hands and your knowledge would struggle to find that specifically for, for you guys as you take this over to Gabon. Um, for a lot of the nurses um, and docs here in Portland, and a lot of you are here, whether it's on the call or in, in person, um, the fact that you gown up every day and in spite of the risk to you and your family, you drive in your car, go to the hospital, and you serve and you love people, that is the light and that is the life. Um, bigger picture kind of more more grand um you have people like martin luther king who gave uh, martin luther king jr gave his speech about um his i have a dream speech and if you read that and you read the 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 passion behind it that is not that that is one man's light as he described it but there is a much brighter light behind that that is still active and that is still moving. And we've seen it this year in spite of the darkness and in spite of some of the uh, very dark parts of this year around racism and injustice, you've seen this light continue to grow 
as as the darkness grows, this lightness seems to to continue to push into it. Um, so those are some of the examples of the way that light comes into the world and, and overcomes evil. I wanted to again take take this and dial it into a little bit more um, personal level. Uh, I I occasionally take our new dog uh, for a night walk in our neighbor's field, and to get there, I have to go through a path um, in the woods, and it has roots in it. And I if I if I if you picture me uh, putting my headlamp on and running full tilt down an uneven path. Um, you probably would picture me tripping on a root, stepping in a hole, and ending up flat on my face. Um, in spite of me having my light on, in spite of me being able to see what's clearly in front of me, I probably would end up on my face. The reason being is if I'm going to navigate the darkness that is going to trip me up, I have to slow down a little bit. And I have to shine the light, not just out here on all the things that I want to shine it on, but I have to slow it down on the and shine it on the things right in front of me that are the things that are going to trip me up. And I think when when there's hundreds of passages about the light um, and, and Jesus being the light of the world and a, a lamp unto our feet, the idea is we we need his light to shine on the things that are tripping us up and that are keeping us from providing that light around us. If I end up on my face, my headlamp's going to break and my light's no good. I need I need to slow down and concentrate on the light in front of uh, on the darkness right in front of me. Um, so, which brings me to the to the next point is we have kind of our light or our intuition, and then we have the light. And I don't want to I don't want to combine them because I think they're two different things. And I think this passage shows us that there are two different things. So John the Baptist, who this passage refers to, and and I, and probably you, we all share a common problem. And it's a paradox. I want to believe that the light or my intuition or my creative juices or insight that I've gained through my parents' DNA, they're enough to really illuminate my path. They're enough to make me kind of function okay on a day-to-day -day basis. But I can tell you from experience of myself and those around me that that same DNA, that same insight has made me incapable of really overcoming the darkness in, in me. In fact, my, my darkness is often, it often overcomes my sense of intuition and light. I can't just snap out of it. I want to be brighter and more in control, but I, I don't, I lack the juice I, to overcome that darkness in myself, never mind that list of things in the world. Now, John states that one is, that the one coming, uh, John, John, the writer of John, states that the one coming before Jesus, John the Baptist, is not the light, but he's a witness to it. And this is important. He realizes, John the Baptist realizes, that this light isn't his. He can witness it. He can reflect it. He can direct it. But he is not the source. And neither am I. And neither are you. Jesus refers to John a little later in, in the book of John being a light, kind of a small a, small l light for a little while, maybe a guide. But then he kind of takes takes it back and says, but I am I am the light of the world. 
So how do we obtain or experience this light that's different than maybe our intuition, our own ability to pick ourselves up uh, by our bootstraps? Um, so uh, the, the verse is, in him was life, and that light, and that life was the light of all mankind. His life is the light, and I need his light and life. In, in verse 12, uh, John, John, the writer, writes, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, like that DNA, it's not our own insight, but born of God. So there's this new new life that comes through God. He puts his life and light into us. He illuminates us. So later in John, uh, in, it's actually John 3, Jesus is talking to one of the religious uh, elite of that day. Um, and this religious leader comes to him and says, all right, I, what you do and how you go about your life is different than everyone else what's what's going on and how do i how do i tap into the thing that you're talking about and jesus tells them tells them very directly that this life this light of all mankind is only available through a rebirth he needs to be completely born again and that term has taken on all sorts of meaning but in the context of this i want you to try to forget the the cultural context he goes on to tell nicodemus Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds are evil. We want to we want to hide the things that we don't uh, that hurt. Everyone who does evil hates the light and won't come into the light for fear that their evil will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be plainly seen that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So his light will expose us, and it will expose each of us if we let it. In the same conversation with Nicodemus, Jesus tells him that God loved the whole world and that he sent his son into the world so that whoever believes in him can have access to this light and life. So to wrap up, um, I see I'm, I'm at time. Uh, there is a drama being played out in us and around us, both on a practical and the supernatural level. Now, we have agency. We have choice. We have cards to play in this. Um, by choosing to hide from the light, to live in the shadows, to distract ourselves, or to kind of use our, our, our sense of intuition to make it through, even though we know it's futile, we're choosing darkness. By accepting his life and light in us, I think about this in relation to kind of the year to come, and there's all sorts of upheaval, and um, it seems like everything is is on a, a powder keg. But by accepting his life and light in us, we allow a brighter and more powerful and more searching and more searing light into the dark places to restore them. We receive a light and life that will be with us, and this is kind of the the, the ultimate power play of God coming into earth, we receive a light and life that will be with us even through death.
No other light can provide that. So some practical implications uh, this week um, that you can think about. Um, confession, and I know some of us may cringe at that word, or repenting of our self-reliance on our own definitions and our own abilities um, to, to be our own light might be a good place to start. And that, that's whether you consider yourself a Christian or not. You and I need to realize that our life and our life, our light, our life, our standard isn't enough, and we can accept his life and light, in sub and he will give us that in exchange for that that we're hanging on to. Um, second, going through your dark places by yourself can be overwhelming, especially if they're very dark places. So I'd, I'd suggest you connect with somebody, uh, a friend, a spouse, a parent, a counselor, um, who can help not just give you good advice, which is something I too often try to do, but reflect his light and his life into that dark place. Um, next, the light is most notable in the darkest places. If you've ever been in a cave um, or if you've ever been out on a very dark uh, night with no moon, you light a match or you, you put on your headlamp, it's amazing how light how much light is given off by just the smallest light in a very dark place. Uh, next, there is no darkness in you or in the world that cannot be illuminated and restored by his light. And I, I think there's a tendency, and I've dealt with this, and I know a lot of people have dealt with this, to say, you know what, this is something I can never, this is something that needs to stay in the dark forever. Now, I'm not saying you need to put all of your uh, kind of worst experiences up on a billboard, but there is no darkness in you that cannot be illuminated by the light. His light isn't exhaustible. It's not going to diminish because it, uh, I have some and you have some, so the original source is diminishing. It actually it, it grows and propagates and, and, and brightens as more people come into it. And then lastly, his light can and should be shared and reflected to the people around us. So I, I hope and pray that we can be people of the light as we move into this week and into the next year. I'm going to pray, and then I think we're going to go to communion. God, again, I ask that you would, you would take the the words that you put in John and get them deep into our, into our brains and into our hearts. Um, I pray that we would be mindful of the dark places in us, but that we would never allow them, um, that we would, we would be loath to keep them from your light. Um, and I thank you that you tell us that the darkness will not overcome this light. Uh, so I pray for each of us today as we deal with all of the things on our plate, whether it's um, small insecurities or small, small areas that we're struggling or major, major life questions. Um, I pray that you would be a very present guide and would be with us with that light in our darkness. I thank you that that's why you came into the world 
that you you didn't want to keep your light away from us. You didn't want to um, be aloof, but you wanted to bring that life and that light to us so we can experience it in our day to day. Thank you so much for your grace. In your name, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ethan. Uh, we are going to take communion together now. So uh, Rob and Betsy are going to come around with uh, individual cups and wafers. Um, just let them know how many you need at your table. Happily give you some. And um, as usual, we do this every week. Um, but as usual, wait. I ask you to wait until everyone in the room has the elements before we take them all together. Um, and I'll guide you through that. But as, as you take it together... Um, encourage you to think about um, the light that Ethan spoke about. And part of the reason we do this every week is because the center, we want the center of our worship to be uh, the, the reminder of, of the cross, um, the reminder of the body and blood, because that is what the light, light breaking into the darkness looked like as Christians. That's what we, that's what we hold to. So we believe um, that the light that was sent into the world was shown more shown most fully um, on the cross. And actually John's gospel, the, the gospel we spent time in this morning says that the hour of his glory was the cross. That was his throne. That was the King's throne. Um, and so we take this together because it points us back to that, to that revelation of, of God's uh, love, God's deep, 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 deep abiding love for us that would go to even that end. So, um, so I invite you to open up your, your cup and your wafer. Um, the wafer represents the broken body, and the cup represents the spilled blood. And uh, take that together as a community this morning. If you're on Zoom, you're welcome to join us with your elements at home at this time. Pray with me. Lord, we take this cup and this wafer in remembrance of you. And as you commanded your followers, so we... So we do this today, um, knowing that we will drink again from the cup um, with you in your kingdom. In your holy name we pray. Amen.